AJ Jones. Yes, sir. You fine piece of Canadian engineering. <laughs> How are you? Better now that you're home. It feels we're taking a week off podcasting. It does. I don't know how we could have done it last week anyway, though. No, it was pretty genius of us to decide we weren't going to do it. Yes. But nevertheless, when I sat down tonight, I was like, wait, how do we do this again? You've forgotten in two weeks' time how how to podcast? Well, I hope it still works. Okay. Everybody, welcome to episode 60 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. Wow. Those that follow us weekly, or if you just listen to our little preamble, you know that we took last week off, and that was because we had a vacation in Florida. Destin. Give us a vacation update. Well, um, it was awesome. We didn't actually find out we were going away on vacation until the evening before the morning that we left. That was very fun. Somebody called and said, hey, I'd love to send you on vacation tomorrow. And we went, yay. <laughs> and we told Tia who'd been praying for a vacation. Yeah. When we told her Tia, our six-year-old, that we were doing a staycation, she... Square mouth cried. And just said, but I prayed out loud three times to Jesus. Yeah. But I prayed out loud. She couldn't understand why it hadn't happened. So she was relieved when it did happen at the 11th hour. And she'd made the, she totally made the connection. She's like, Jesus heard me. He knew I wanted a beach. (laughs) It was so cute. So we drove seven hours to beach and it was fantastic. It was lovely. And we discovered, well, we didn't discover. Not, we're not the original discoverers. It's not like we're Marco Polo. No. Back with Tales of Adventure. (laughs) Or Columbus. (laughs) Whoever. Right. Yeah. But we happened upon the tiny little town of Seaside in Florida. I love it. I totally get it now. People around here, you see these these stickers on the back of people's cars that say 30A. And I'd be like, get over it, people. It's like a highway. No, 30A is a very specific strip of um, beaches. And I totally get it now. It was where the Truman Show was filmed mm-hmm. with Jim Carrey. So we watched it. Yes. And then went and visited all the places, including his house, and did the touristy thing of taking our photo in front of it. Yeah, we did. Our revelation was that our kids are on the spectrum of swimming. Tia doesn't care, has no interest in learning to swim, just wants to float around in a ring. Yeah. Abby thinks she can swim, but really can't, and is a hazard to herself. Well, no, she by the end of the week... She was doing much, much better. Like I was much less, oh my gosh, I'm going to watch her drown. Right. But the thing is she can swim really well underwater now. Yeah. But when she comes up for air, she can't tread water. So unless she's in (laughs) water that she can put her foot down on, she is going to drown. Right. And then MJ is just leave me alone. I want in the water and we'll jump off. Which is why we have to leave him in like this floating life jacket thing. Because he just gets out, jumps in, doesn't care. No fear. Yeah. They're all different. Yeah. So we had a fantastic time. We did, and we discovered the food trucks at Seaside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had possibly the best grilled cheese of my entire existence. Oh, it was so good. I can't remember what it was now. Turkey, Texas toast. Turkey melt. Yeah, but what was on it? Avocado, some sort of special spicy sauce. Turkey. Say cheese. turkey again. Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> Are you from a foreign Tur- land? Turkey. Um, that was very good. And then, sadly, while we were on vacation, we found out my mom died. Yeah, on the second day there. <laughs> Happy vacation. <laughs> no, well, yep. what, we've been known, we've been known, we've known for a long time my mom is dying. And in recent weeks, we knew that it was imminent. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like, you know, we could put our life on hold. So we knew full well that it was more than likely she was going to pass away while we were on vacation. Yeah, because we had two weeks off. But she did, she passed away, which is very, very sad, of course. 
under the circumstances, the quality of life she had while dying from cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was somewhat of a relief. I know that's, this season is a weird juxtaposition of feelings. So it feels weird to say it was a relief that your mum died. That, you know, those words sound horribly calloused. But in the context of what she was going through, she it was, very, was very a relief. Sick. Yeah, and yeah. it's amazing she's in heaven. Yeah. It's very sad that she died. But if you're going to be given bad news, I'd much rather have that bad news in a beautiful place. Yeah, it was easier to distract the kids. But poor, poor Tia. When when Grandpa called and said that she'd gone into a coma and it would probably be a couple of hours. Of course, they didn't understand what a coma was, so they thought she'd gone into a cocoon like a caterpillar. <laughs> and so Alan's trying to explain that she's sleeping. Well, could we send letters? Could somebody read her letters? And, you know, th- but they didn't, they didn't really get it. But Tia, she bawled, didn't she? Well, once we told them that Nana had died. Yeah. She said, well, who's going to be my Nana now? And then she said, I don't want a new Nana. <laughs> I love like the way she processes Like you just purchased them somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, that was very sad, but we still managed to enjoy the rest of our vacation. Yeah. And then we drove home from Florida, did our laundry, and then I flew out again. Yep. And in fact, I've just flown back. I've just literally got off the plane. And so we haven't even caught up. How was your week while I was away before I tell you about my week? It was good. Um, I had help from Miss Cindy Lou who... She came over Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and helped me, and then... And then you helped her in Star Wars education. I did. I I educated her. I, She'd never seen I don't think you Star educated Wars. her so much. I think you showed her the Star Wars movies and hoped that somehow by osmosis she would understand what was going on. That was not the no, case. No, she started She started asking less questions and getting it more by, we, by the time we got to Return of the Jedi. And then she said, do you have one, two, and three? And I said, I don't, but I could see if somebody does so we can bore them. She's like, well, either that or we need to watch four, five, and six again. I thought, aha, you've caught the bug. But I did have to answer lots of questions in episode one. So maybe, you know, she's she's in process. You know, there's just lots of strange names and places. Mm-hmm. How did the kids mm-hmm. survive without me? They They did okay. There was moments of sadness. MJ struggled. Poor MJ had the runs three days this week and was cutting a tooth and daddy's gone. And so every morning he would, he calls for you, of course, every morning. And then he go, where daddy? Where daddy? Diarrhea and cutting your teeth is one of the side effects of not being close to me. Yeah. (laughs) Be warned, people. The farther away you are from Alan. (laughs) But he was very happy to see me when I arrived tonight. Oh, he was Not least because grandpa and I went and bought him a transformer. Yes. So I'm back. We you just are. had Mexican food. We did. Which I missed for the six days that I was away. How was your week, babe? Um, well, you know what? You know, uh, given the circumstances. Given the circumstances. <laughs> you know, we recorded a podcast with my mom earlier this year. We, I mean, mm-hmm. we got to go over in February. In February, the doctors basically called my dad and said, look, she's got 10 days to live. And so all our family flew from around the world to come and be with Nana. Yeah. And that was an amazingly precious time to have that time. And we all got to say goodbyes because we weren't quite sure how long she was going to live. Little did right. we know she was going to plan on living till July. Right. And just last week, the doctor who came to see her told my dad, she's got the constitution of somebody I've, I've never seen before. And so it was really, really good to be there for 10 days with the kids. And she absolutely beat out all odds of expectation. 
Oh, you wouldn't have even known really in February, other than she was using a walker because she was a little bit right. wobbly. She seemed like her normal self. Like she didn't she didn't look sick. Mm-hmm. And so coming back this time, obviously, was a little more sober because mum wasn't there. The interesting thing about the week was I was only there for six days. The momentum of the activity carries you through it without really any opportunity to process what's happening. Right. So I try to sleep on the way over because I was flying through the night. And then you land, then you pick up your car, and then you drive up. Then I drove straight to the church to kind of rehearse for the following day. And then you, you know, you go to the burial and that was kind of surreal. I lowered my mum into her grave. That was just really weird. And then you go to the funeral, and then you go to a big reception afterwards, and I see lots of people I haven't seen in 30 years. And that was even more surreal. I catch up with some people I do know. And then the next day, because family's in town, you all have a big kind of family get-together, and the next day you meet up with more family didn't get a chance to see the day before. And then the next day you drive through to Edinburgh and then the next day you're on a plane and you come home and you're just like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So I think probably, I think it was Dan Farrell that said, your head will lie to you, but your body will not. Yeah. So I think, I'm not trying to lie to myself, but I think in my head, I'm like, no, I understand what's happened. My mum has died. We've had the distinct advantage of having 18 or so months to come to terms with that. And I think I'm getting on with life, but here's what was interesting was was the poor guy at customs and immigration when I flew back into the United States Mm -hmm. I'm in line and you know he stamps my passport and says where were you I said I was in Scotland and he said were you there for business or pleasure and I just blurted out right I said neither I was there to bury my mother and as soon as I said that I started welling up with tears and the poor man you know as I got this grown man you know what just kind of tearing up, being super blunt. He's like, I'm sorry for your loss. Welcome home. Stamp my passport and, and let me in. And I was just like, okay, so that's interesting. My my eyeballs are manifesting something that perhaps my head hasn't quite caught up with. Right. So, But grieving is a process, babe. It is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think all of our family, we're noticing it comes in waves, mm-hmm. comes and goes. So that was what the week was like. It was... It just took care of itself because there was so much to do and every day there was a new activity. And I think that's the danger that you you ride that thing out. So I'm trying to be kind to myself. I'm trying to be good to myself and give myself space and opportunity to grieve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably what the next little bit looks like. I think you're worried I'm going to milk it, though. I'm sorry, babe. I, I don't want to empty the dishwasher right now. I'm, I'm in the process of grieving. Mm-hmm. It's possible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I need to have another cheeseburger. I can't change MJ's bum. I'm in the process of grieving. (laughs) I could totally see this happening. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll try and be very honoring to the whole situation. Okay. But it was great to see my family. Uh, Strange circumstances, but nevertheless, good to see my family. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this the main topic that I wanted to talk about, and I presume you're okay with this. Yes. Is that I'd like to talk about my mom. Okay, I might cry. Oh, you can cry. Thanks. We already did a podcast with my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what episode number it was, but I'll put it in the show notes. And I'm really, really glad that we did that. We've got my mum recorded and you can hear her talking in her lovely little Welsh accent. And I'm glad we got these little mementos. Um, she's amazing. She was an amazing mother. Mm-hmm. And I did a little talk at the funeral, which was hard to do in one sense. But it was something I was I really wanted to do. And a version of what I said, we already put up online. If you go to our show notes, you'll, you'll find a link to that. 
And in that talk, I talked about some of her qualities. I wanted to talk about three different qualities from the ones I already talked about because she had so many of them. Okay. There's a little bit of overlap. I'm going to kind of cheat. The first I already talked about, but it was her compassion. I told a story at the funeral that's completely true that illustrates the way my mom lived her life. The doctor who was discharging her from hospital, basically sending her home to die, basically had the conversation that said, we can't do anything more for you. All the medical treatments available to you have not worked. I'm so sorry, you're now dying. Just, you know, go home, put your affairs in order. And so that's terrible news to hear, but that's not what my mom picked up. My mom on the way home was like, to my dad, oh, that poor man. Like, can you imagine having a job like that? Like, that must have been such a hard conversation for him to have. We should send him a card. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> but that's, <Of> she did. <laughs> that's how my mom lived. I remember being in primary school, which is elementary school for our North American audience. And there was a boy in my class who would bully me. I mean, you know, he would chase me home and beat me up and all that sort of stuff. My dad's response was very pragmatic. It was to come to school and um, have a word with this bully face-to-face, which was perfect. My <laughs> mum's response, my mum's response was, I just still remember the conversation, like, oh, the poor boy, he's from a broken home. He doesn't know who his dad is. Can you imagine how hard that would be? No wonder he's lashing out. And so here am I, in the midst of being traumatized with this boy, suddenly finding compassion for this boy because my mum has compassion for this boy contagious compassion contagious compassion i think in our understanding of life languages and if you're f- familiar with life languages we should do a podcast on life languages at some point mm-hmm. but anyway i would say that she's a very high responder very high influencer so yes she just drips with compassion i'm thinking even i just remember meeting her the first time and she just loves so well her heart just sort of goes out to everybody. I don't, you know, she. I don't remember her saying judgmental things or, you know, she just sort of loved well. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know my second thought? Yeah. She was, she had this incredible confidence in who she was. And not only was she confident in who she was, but she had this ability to impart that confidence to others. So... I, all I remember being told through my whole childhood was that I was brilliant, that I was amazing. Anything I, I did that was an accomplishment, my mother, it's not that my mother wasn't impressed by it, but she was just like, well, of course you could do that. You're brilliant. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. So all of us just grew up understanding that we were brilliant and we all had this confidence that came from her. And so she always told us that she loved us. There was never any doubt of us being supported. I'm not sure how she managed to do this, but I don't know if this is related to her confidence, but she was always interested in everyone and everything. Yeah. Like, I would watch her and I'm thinking, are you putting this on? Is this like the social work side of you? But she was genuinely interested in everyone and everything. Well, and you'd see that with the grandkids and stuff, both the confidence thing and being genuinely interested. Like, I remember being there at one point and... Um, I think Allison's kids phoned and sometimes I have a hard time with the accents because I don't understand, you know, what they're saying and just watching her on the phone. And, you know, as far as I know, they're saying, you know, I made a mud pie today and she's like, aren't you brilliant? Oh, you're wonderful, you know, kind of thing. And they would tell her like in real time 
what had happened that day, each of the individual six children, and she would be totally interested in the whole thing. Like, you know, it's an hour-long conversation, and she's totally engaged. I don't know where she got that from. I certainly didn't pick that up from her. I have a very narrow set of interests. That's true. But she didn't. She was encyclopedic in her fascination with people and topics. True. Very true. What's your last one? My last one is the topic of devotion. Mm-hmm. When I look at my mom, when I remember the things that she did, she didn't just do things, she was devoted to doing things. So she was a devoted wife. She was a devoted mother. And boy, did I probably stretch her devotion. <laughs> <laughs> we were all swapping stories at the various hair colors I had and the various hairstyles I had that must have stretched my mother's grit. Dreadlocks. And, yeah, and... must have driven her nuts. <laughs> I, I remember a story that she told me years later. But, you know, some of you will know this because I've talked about it um, several times when I teach and I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, maybe I have. When I was 21 years old, I had a breakdown and it was a horrible season of my life. And so my mother told me this years later, but she said when she discovered that I was going through all this mental anguish and this breakdown, she said, I took, she said, I took hold of myself and I said to myself, Lana, there is nothing you can do to fix your boy. There's nothing you can do. You cannot make this go away. So she said, I decided there and then I wasn't going to waste time in anguish. I was going to be pragmatic. She said, so I got myself an alarm clock, like a digital alarm, Mm -hmm. and I set the alarm for every hour. And every hour when the alarm would go off, I would pray for you. And I was like, that's incredible devotion. Right. But that's the way she, you know, lived her life. Just super intentional Though to the outside it may look she was a little disorganized, there was always an intention, always a purpose in everything she was doing. Even, I talked a little bit about this at the funeral, but her devotion to what she read and understood in scriptures was amazing. You know, she had a reason for everything she did. And there were areas of our theology where, you know, our beliefs didn't align. But she was not only devoted to her beliefs, But I think she respected my devotion to my beliefs, even though she didn't necessarily believe in what in areas of what I believed. Does that make sense? Right. But I think she kind of honored the devotion that I showed to those things. So there you go. There's three additional things in in addition to what I talked about on at the funeral about her about her compassion, her confidence, and her devotion. I would add to her devotion thing too that her devotion to her grandkids, like like once a month, we would get something in the mail. You know, some sort of little coloring book or little activity, something or other. Even after she got diagnosed, even when she was sick, she was still sending us these little things in the mail. And the kids would just like go crazy for them, mm-hmm. you know, but she just remembered. You know what's crazy? What? Is in the last couple of weeks, she would say, have you got your magazines yet? Have you got your magazines yet? And when I went over to our house, I found the one she hadn't shipped. She thought she'd mailed them, but oh. she hadn't. So I brought them home for the kids. But yeah, like even within the last couple of weeks of her life, she'd made sure that there was comic books to be shipped over. It's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. I wanted to stop and thank everybody for the cards and the Facebook messages and the emails and the prayers and the, you know, texts that people sent. It meant a huge deal to me. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to do that. I, 
even though we knew it was coming, it was still bewildering for it to happen. But the support of many of you really, mm-hmm. really, really encouraged me and encouraged my family. And, and those of you that helped me as well, like Cindy and Molly and Kate and Julie yeah. that came over and helped me with the kids and, you know, helped me make it through the week with with my messed up shoulder and stuff. I'd super appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow we go back to work. Everything yeah. goes back to normal, which I think I'm going to appreciate. Yeah. I think you're going to have to speak at Emanate because I'm going to be jet lagged tomorrow night. Oh, I've already put something together. What are you speaking on? Can you give us a sneak peek? Uh, I'm speaking on grabbing a hold of your destiny. Ooh. Out of Second Kings. That's I all, love it. That's all I'm going to tell you. Do you want to do a listener's question? Sure. All right. We've got a question from Patrick. Patrick asks, when you pastor lots of people, how do you not carry their burdens while still remaining sensitive to their needs? And how do you pastor people when you have trouble caring about their issues? Where is the balance? Methamphetamines, Patrick. Lots and lots of methamphetamines. (laughs) I'm joking. Just kidding. I would say I tend to... uh, I do carry people's burdens probably after I should have let them go, like just in my heart. And I, I, I pray, but I, I will get to the point eventually where I feel overwhelmed by it sometimes. And that's usually when the Holy Spirit is going, Hey, Hey, my job, you're trying to do my job. And I have to go, Oh, right. You're big. You're huge. You know where they are. You know, the deal, you know, me carrying anxiety for them is not going to change anything. Right. And, and let it go. And so, and sometimes that, process happens really quickly and sometimes I it takes me longer to realize that the reason I'm feeling the way I'm feeling is because I'm carrying something he didn't ask me to carry. Right. So I think you can love people, love them well, pray for them, give them good advice without actually carrying their stuff into the next day or into the next meeting. Um, and I, I would say I'm still in process on doing that well, um, but I'm a lot better at it than I was six or seven years ago. I think also clarifying in your head that worry does not equal care. Right. So you can meet with somebody that you they can tell you just just the harshest things ever that's going on in their life. And I think especially early on in ministry like I have very easy ability to compartmentalize like I could leave that meeting and be absolutely connected in the moment and then it's not that I don't care but it just doesn't pop into my head again. And that Yeah, I can't do that. No, no, no. But I think the absence of my worry doesn't mean I don't care. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do care. It's just completely irresponsible to imagine that it's my job. Somewhere along the line, people think, oh, well, if you're not worrying about it, then you really don't care. You're like, well, no, Jesus himself said, who have you by worrying about your life? I'm not saying I worry. I'm saying I I carry it. Like, I just think... I constantly pray for people and right. you know whatever. I'm not I'm not worried that God's not going to break through for them. Right. I'm not worried that God hasn't got it. I just pray for them because I can understand how difficult it must be for their hearts in the midst of it. See, there's a difference between AJ and I. Tell AJ your worries, not me. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> no, I think I mean I'm 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 joshing there, but there's some truth to that. I wonder if it's a guy girl thing though. Probably. I mean, and to clarify, it's not that I don't care or I am disinterested. I I think I learned a long time ago that who you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. Like, And by worry, I mean, you know, holding it, massaging it, 
you know, I, I just, I've got such confidence in God to be God, and it's not my job to be God, that it makes it really, really easy for me to handle, you know, multiple things. And of course, there's been times and situations, of course, when you get extreme situations where it's, you know, it's overwhelming. But the other good thing is we're part of a team. You know, there's a team of mm-hmm. 20-something pastors at Grace Center. Mm-hmm. And so we help carry a load, which is great. So I'm not sure if I've answered your question, Patrick, but I think like everything, there's some aspects of our job that are a job. And so you, I think what we learned a long time ago is everybody's pain is unique to them. Mm -hmm. So we certainly don't, you know, sometimes there's a danger that you meet with people and what they have to share seems really, really trivial, especially in light of maybe some of the other pastoral loads that you're carrying. But we never think like that because everybody's pain is unique to them. And it's real. And it's real. So we, so there isn't an element that we don't care. And then I think the really, really, really big stuff is thankfully there's a team of people that can carry that load. Yeah. And I think it kind of all works out in the wash. It's not a very helpful answer, but I and don't know to, and whether... to qualify, I think the, the only stuff that I ever get bogged down or overwhelmed by is typically the really, really big stuff. Right. Otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at sort of releasing things back to the Lord a, a lot faster. I mean, not that I'm carrying the other ones, but they weigh on my heart a lot heavier. Very good. Yeah. Anything you want to say in wrap-up? I'm happy to have you home. I miss your mom already. Do you? Yeah, I do. She was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. And I, I mean, really, I'm I'm so thankful that I did get to know her for like 11 years. She, uh, just her being her, brought a lot of healing to me. So. And I'm sure that was true for so many people. That was certainly oh, the sure. feedback we got at the funeral. Well, thanks guys for tuning in. I'm sorry that we missed you last week. Hope you are having an amazing time. Um, get in contact with us. Go to alanaj.com slash ask if you'd like us to ask a question that we will um, promise to try and answer when we're not one of us is not straight off the plane. Um, if you want the show notes to this week's podcast, go to alanaj.com slash 60. And we will see you this time next week.